Who needs that nice life in the country? Working with your family, your friends. Working for yourself, really. When you could move into the city, get yelled at by your boss all the time, and live in squalor. That's right, folks. The Industrial Revolution is going to let that fact become a reality. I was cooking up some ham for dinner, and it took me 10 minutes. I fried it up. I ate it. It was delicious. Thank you, electricity. Thank you, Industrial Revolution, because electricity is a product of the Industrial Revolution. Now, electric stoves aren't even cool. Like, they're not good. Everybody wants a gas stove when you become old like me. But guess what? It beats, you know, heating things up on flaming sticks. So, yeah, I was pretty happy with my electricity today. The problem comes in when we start looking at the darker side of the Industrial Revolution. We'll get there. But first... The Industrial Revolution starts off in Great Britain. Why? A few things. Despite what some of you said on your test, Great Britain did experience an agricultural revolution. Lots of more pe- lots of more people. Wow. Lots of people were being fed. Lots of people were surviving longer. There was a big population. That meant there were a lot of people that wanted to work. Right, So a huge labor force based off of the agricultural revolution that did occur. Also, Great Britain was wealthy. People had money to invest. That's critical. In Silicon Valley, if you have a smart idea, right, you might not be rich and have the money to actually finance your product. But if you go to a venture capitalist, they have the money. So if you convince a venture capitalist, you know, maybe he or she invests and all of a sudden you're the next tech millionaire or billionaire. Okay, England or Great Britain also, just by a freak of geography, had spectacular natural resources. They had coal in abundance close to the topsoil. It was easy to mine. Now, Great Britain, not by a fluke, just because they invested in in transportation, was ahead of continental Europe. Uh, investing in transportation was critical. You could move products and people. Moving people, moving soldiers, moving resources in the American Civil War might have been the biggest reason the, the North of the Union won the Civil War. Transportation is key. Great Britain had transportation infrastructure. Uh, Great Britain was a stable government. They were not involved in a ton of revolutions like France in the 1700s. There were no Napoleonic wars on British soil. Great Britain did have to deal with Napoleon, right? The whole continental system, the blockade of English goods, etc. But for the most part, they didn't have a lot of political unrest So that is stable government that would protect property rights. Protecting property rights is one of those nice value-added things for a country. You know, if you're feeding all your people 
and making sure that they're not actively engaged in war, you can start to focus on the finer things. All right, and finally, Great Britain was a major colonial power. They had a ton of colonies throughout the world. In India, let's focus on them. Uh, They used India as a source of natural resources, and they... They really acted, maybe in retrospect, maybe they knew it, but I'm going to say in retrospect, they acted incredibly poorly. Not even in retrospect, they just acted really poorly. But they treated uh, India like a natural resource bank. Now, why do I, I say that last part? You know, almost, I don't know. I don't really even like talking about this, but it's critical to talk about. Uh, Great Britain forced uh, a famine on India. In the 1800s, Great Britain forced Great Britain was in control of India. It was a it was the Raj, right? The British rule of India. India was essentially a British colony. And Great Britain forced the Indians to stop producing staple crops or crops that were used for subsistence and start producing cash crops, cash crops that were used to sell and make money. Now, India had in for centuries had been producing uh, staple crops and then stockpiling because of the monsoon season, because in a bad monsoon season, you could end up basically having massive crop failure but if crops were stored, right, the, the people would be fine. When Great Britain was in charge, the Indians were no longer allowed to manufacture or to produce, to grow subsistence crops. Monsoons hit and famine occurred. And not just, I don't want to say not just a little famine, uh, a massive, horrendous famine occurred. Okay. Uh, Now, let's look at the continent, right? Continental Europe. What's going on there? There is less infrastructure as far as transportation is concerned. The government is stepping in more. The government is still holding on to mercantilist ideas, right? There's still a lot of government intervention. In Great Britain, they have really embraced the ideas of Adam Smith, right? They've embraced the idea of uh, laissez-faire economics, the government is staying out of it as much as possible. In the continent, not so much. The government is still putting major tariffs on, for example, British goods. In the continent, on the continent, you oftentimes could not get British goods. The big problem there is you're affecting uh, your your supply chain, or your government's affecting your supply chain. If you're in France, right? What if Great Britain is producing or has something? that only Great Britain has and you need in order to produce your product, all of a sudden you don't have access to it. And that's a massive problem for the continent. And also there was this political chaos in Europe. Throughout the 1700s in continental Europe and then into the 1800s, there's just revolution after revolution after revolution. So those finer things that the British could focus on were not in reach for the continent yet. Okay. Uh, Now, as you already know, the enclosure movement in Great Britain pushed people into the cities. City life, 
was pretty miserable for the working class. Uh, London, for example, in 1800 had about a million people. 50 years later, it had about 2.5 million people. All these people were cramped. Not all of them, but a lot of these people were cramped into tenements, slums, basically. Uh, They lived in squalor. You know, their great grandfather might have lived on a nice farm and hung out with his family and friends all day. Not to say it wasn't tough work, right? Uh, But it was better than, you know, cranking a lever for 16 hours a day and then going home to a house that was absolutely filthy and infested with like typhus. Okay, so working conditions were not good for the working class or the urban working class. Um, now, in a an example of really a, a counterintuitive example that serves as a, a way to make sure that you don't fall into the trap of, you know, thinking there's only one specific thing that happened in history. Uh, there are a lot of variables in history, and one of them is in Ireland. In Ireland, you have a major, like a massive birth rate. Throughout Great Britain, the birth rate had been declining. Uh, this is something kind of strange. In wealthier, more industrialized societies, the birth rate is lower. Uh, birth control is practiced more often in the... Uh, more industrialized world in also as countries became less and less uh, religious less and less Catholic you started to see a uh, a declining birth rate because of the practice of birth control but in Ireland a very Catholic country uh, you see an increasing birth rate Uh, that's because Ireland is uh, maybe a little bit more conservative uh, more Catholic, more aligned to the Catholic doctrine than a lot of countries in Europe. At any rate, they have a lot of babies, a major population, and they suffer a crop failure. The potato crop, which is their subsistence crop, fails. Uh, in 1845, all the way through 1861, it's called the Great Irish Potato Famine, and there's a, a massive death toll in Ireland because of this. Also, you start to see uh, a push factor of migration right here. The Irish are pushed out of Ireland, and you see a lot of them move to the United States. That's why you see in the mid-1850s such a huge Irish immigration to the United States. Okay. The new status is being an industrialist. Even aristocrats and Europe holds on to this day to uh, aristocratic titles, right? But the new status is to be an industrialist, to be a capitalist, to own, right? So even aristocrats are trying to get into this game because this is where the status is, the power is, right? Now, you're also seeing uh, a shift, another class shift, and you see an urban working class. Long hours, unsafe working conditions, child labor, all of that. Uh, And the government's going to struggle to understand what to do with all these problems. One of their solutions was to create workhouses. At first it was for 
like orphans and destitute women. They would be given room and board, and then they'd have to work in a factory. Then it was for homeless people. Uh, and Then it was just for people without jobs. You would be forced to live in a dormitory, uh, and you would be paid in room and board. This is dangerously close to slavery. It's not quite slavery because you could leave. Right? You could leave the workhouse. You'd just end up in jail. So you had that choice. Now, I want to end with this. This is a direct comparison to today. You look at the Luddites and their attacks on the new machines, right? The Luddites were afraid that mechanization was taking their jobs. This is happening to this, not to this day. This is the same idea is happening today, only in regard to automation, right? People are scared that robots are starting to take their jobs. If you look at Andrew Yang, one of the presidential candidates, he is basing his entire presidential run based uh, is based off of uh, a fear of automation. Maybe uh, maybe not entire. I don't want to say that, right? But he is using uh, the fear of automation as uh, part of his platform, right? Now, you start to see labor unions emerge in the 1800s. And this is because you start to have a, a real clash between the industrialists and the capitalists, right? And the workers, right? The capitalists don't want the government to step in at all. But the workers want the government to step in. They want the government to step in because they want to make sure that they have fair working conditions. They want to collectively bargain. They want to not live in fear of being fired because uh, they, you know, maybe have to miss a day for a sick kid or something like that, right? They want some basic rights. They want a shorter work day. The capitalists want as much productivity as possible out of their workforce. So there's a real clash there. And the government is still trying to figure out what the right balance is as far as helping the workers out and then staying out of it and letting business run. They're still very much focused on that today. All right. That's pretty much it. As well as walking to my car today, I walked across this little strip of concrete from the L building to the uh, the sidewalk outside of outside of the L building on Brighton. It's made of concrete. And I started thinking concrete was uh, an invention of the Industrial Revolution, and I'm very glad we have it. It's all over the place. It's uh, a main building material. You know, it's clay and limestone ground down and heated up like 1500 degrees and cooled and ground and mixed with sand and let to dry and all of a you have concrete it's nice it's a good thing right love concrete thank you industrial revolution but then i also think about all the negative effects of the industrial revolution i think about you know the american chemical society has this graph that shows greenhouse gas emissions as steady in the world until actually I think it's a I think it's not the world of the United States. 
gas emissions are steady, greenhouse gas emissions, until right around 1800. And then they rise. But they don't start to rise a little bit. They don't rise like, oh, look at that rise. That's a 30 degree rise. That's a steep rise. No, not a 45 degree rise. Not a 50, 60, 70 degree rise. They rise almost 90 degrees. It almost is steady, steady, steady vertical. It's disturbing. I think it's worth looking at a little bit more. Um, So, yeah. Is the Industrial Revolution a net benefit or a net negative for society? I don't know. But I do know this. I really like my iPhone. Thanks for listening.